So first of all, good morning. Good morning. Uh, if you're a student, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed your two-week quarantine. Uh, if you're a freshman or this is your first time here, welcome. It's great to have you. This place exists for you, uh, and so you're always welcome here. My name is Father Sam Bellafiore. I'm the associate pastor. Um, and here and at Our Lady of Victory, Our Lady of the Snow, just down the road. I live up there with Father Patterson, and it's great to be with you this morning. The opening prayer we prayed at the beginning of Mass starts with these words, Look upon us, O God. God looks upon us. He does. Look upon us, the prayer said, that we may feel the working of your mercy. When we pray, when we come to the Mass, but at every moment in our lives, we are invited into God's gaze for us. A gaze that loves, that penetrates, and that if we're open to it, transforms us. But we know that when God gazes at us, he often has to get through a lot because there are a lot of other gazes in our life that tell us lies about ourselves, about who we're really, who we really are. What kinds of gazes are those? Sometimes they're the gaze of other people on us. Maybe you know what it feels like to be used, to have the sense that somebody you're in relationship with is not entirely there for you, but to get something out of you. Maybe you've lost a friendship or had it fall apart. You know what that feels like. But there's also our gaze on other people. The first reading says, remember the Most High's covenant and overlook faults. So if we remember the way God looks at us, it can help us to overlook faults. And often what we're holding against other people isn't even real deep sin. It's kind of just, I don't like your personality, or you do things this way, and I don't want to do things this way. It'd be a case in point. So I was ordained as a priest last summer. The summer before that, I was a deacon, and I went on a road trip with a bunch of uh, seminarians I was friends with, uh, other guys studying to be priests, and we drove all around the West Coast. We went to uh, Nevada and Utah, and we drove all the way down the coast of California on uh, Highway 1. It was gorgeous. Uh, and my great friend, Stephen, uh, who's going into his second-to-last year of seminary now, organized the trip. Organized. So we had a map and a bunch of places we were maybe going to go to, but we didn't always really know where we were going. Sometimes we would show, at camp, show up at campsites, and one time we were at this beautiful campsite in California, and we got the last one, the last spot there. Other times, like when we went to the Grand Canyon, it's the Grand Canyon, and everybody's already there, so there were no campsites, so we had to go to this funny campsite outside of the national park, um, and we were the only people there, uh, except for coyotes and wild cows. I don't know if you've ever seen a wild cow before. It's quite the thing. And actually, while we were staying there, Stephen uh, decided that we would go on a morning run and then go watch the sunrise over the Grand Canyon. So we had to get up at 5. And Stephen set his alarm for the wrong time. 
and woke us all up at four. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen 10 seminarians who slept that evening near wild cows at four o'clock in the morning. We are not pretty. And we let him have it. <laughs> so often we're doing that in funny ways or in serious ways with the people around us. And God isn't exactly inviting us into that gaze either. And then also, maybe the thing that afflicts us most is our gaze on ourselves. When I entered seminary, I wanted to do this for a while, and I was able to do it when I entered. I got rid of all my social media, and I still don't have any. And not, maybe not everybody's called to that. Um, sometimes it's better to use it and to use it well. But I love it. Because I was aware that in my life, social media had created this kind of environment where I felt like I always had to sort of narrate my life for public consumption. Um, which, I don't know, there's something to it, maybe. But I found that even when I wasn't on social media, I was still always thinking about my life or what I was experiencing or what I was looking at. Um, not to enjoy it in the moment, but so that I could tell somebody else about it later. There can be this sense that everything in your life has to be cropped or refitted or posed or filtered. So you can't really ever be at rest in yourself, but always have to be doing something for somebody else to look at. The good news of Jesus' gaze is that he loves you if that's what you're doing. But he loves the person behind all of that, underneath all of that. The person we cover over so that other people don't have to look at it, the person we don't want other people to see, that's the person Jesus wants. And that's the person Jesus loves. He loves you. And his gaze can cut through all of those other things that can get in the way so that we can be at rest and at peace with him. That master who has the depth of heart, the capacity to forgive his servant the whole debt, that's the Lord. And the servant is us. God is willing to look past everything, to look through it, to see just us exactly as we are. God has always wanted to do that, and so he became flesh in his Son, suffered, died, and rose for us. He sent the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of love, into our hearts so that we don't have to be afraid. God is so attentive. His gaze is so close on us, and he wants to be so close to us that in the fullness of time, at the Last Supper, he gave us his body and blood. This is my body, which will be given up for you, so that there can be a place in our lives, no matter what happens, no matter what's going on, where we can come and receive him, just as we are.